Well, there are several things that are different today. One is that we have a handout that has blanks on it, and that allows you to take notes and, uh, and fill in the blanks as you go along, and it's, it's, it's empty on the back, so there's additional things you want to write you can do there. We're going to see this series really build on one another, tie together, and it's just uh, good biblical content as a believer to put together. We have some pins on there. If you run out of pins, look at one of those ladies with her purses, because I can guarantee you, if she digs around enough, there's about 20 pins in the bottom of that purse. Oh, my goodness, those bottomless pits there that you ladies carry around. There's some name tags on the table there, and go ahead and grab a, a Sharpie or a pen and write, uh, write your first name on that and put your name tag on there. You go, well, everybody knows me. We'll just, just play along with this anyway, uh, just so that uh, as we are um, gathering today that we have a sense of everybody's first name and then that's then when you you say goodbye you don't you you got it you don't oh gosh I forgot their name well you don't, you got their name uh, for this time this is a, called love one another series uh, we're looking at um, a specific one another each week this one that we are working on today is actually one that you might not even know is in the Bible and is called it's it's be members of one another you are members. Of one another, and and even when you say it, it's kind of hard to say. And what does it mean? Well, you're going to find out today, and it's actually a foundational one. It's one that really helps us springboard into the other one. So it's critical that we do this first. We started last Sunday with the phrase "love one another." John 13 uh, is one of the two places Jesus is the one who introduced this phrase to his this uh, his actually 11 disciples, because Judas had left uh, at that moment to go betray him. And John 13, verse 34 and 35 say, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also, uh, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is a key to evangelism and reason in our community, that we love one another. It actually speaks loudly to the world that has many questions of what is life all about. And those 11 disciples who are the leaders and teachers of the church, the Apostle Paul, who is the main writer in the New Testament, they go about their writings and teaching on how to live this out. This new command that God gives us, that Jesus gave them. Now, once a month now for a handful of months, there's about 12 of us going through some training for relationship discipleship for seekers, people who may not be believers yet. We're learning how to do a discovery Bible study with a seeker, someone who maybe just first opened up their Bible. Larry Montgomery is our our instructor for these sessions, and um, he is uh, not only a, one of the pastors there at Henry Christian Church, where Skip is, and Hen- uh, 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 the other the other Barry family people, but he's a missionary with Go International, and he travels the world doing missions. And he said, you know, uh, and he, he's got this this phrase in this sentence that he gives 
to us regularly. He says, you know, I travel the world. And God said, I'm going to tell you, Larry, a new thing I'm doing in the world. I'm going to tell you what it is. Because you, you travel the world, you're doing ministry all over. And so I'm going to tell you. And it's this. I am doing something new that is actually very old. I'm doing something new, God told him, that is actually very old. And he goes into this concept of the table, that actually biblical discipleship is in smaller spaces in places like a table, in a home, uh, one-on-one, one-on-three, a little small group. And this is actually part of our vision. We're stepping into this. We're staying with it all in to invest, invite, involve is in these Bible studies that reach seekers and also our own fellowship is that we're all in for God's harvest. Jesus did it. You know, he could have just said, hey, I am going to teach the masses and heal them and there'll be crowds everywhere we go. He actually left the masses at times, right? Try to get away from them uh, for rest and for training of the small group of his 12 disciples. And he even had three of his closest disciples that he did extra training with. So Jesus broke it down to a smaller group. We'll see this in Acts chapter 2. It is actually ancient as the church because when the church was birthed, it included a table setting and included smaller groups. Acts chapter 2, verse 6 says, This is right after the Holy Spirit has broken out in Jerusalem on the 120 uh, followers, and then it spread. 3,000 got saved. More were getting saved. It was an outbreak of the Holy Spirit, a revival. And what did they do? It says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So they learned from Jesus, don't just uh, teach in the temple. That was a massive place. You could have thousands of people in large crowds. They could have just, let's just keep doing the Lord. No, we got to be like Jesus. We got to just get in smaller groups too, like Jesus did. And so they would meet in homes. It says this phrase from house to house. So it wasn't just one house and one village or town, it was, oh, we're going to be over there tomorrow night, and then someone is hosting uh, this Bible study, and then we're going to, and it was to house to house. This continued on in the books of Acts, a few chapter, uh, chapters later, Acts 5, same phrase, house to house, shows up again. And then if you read Paul's letters, there's a handful of them that end when he's referring to a local church. He refers to where they meet, and it's in a house. Like this one in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The church of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. That's a, that phrase, when you look in the New Testament about the location of churches, that's the most common phrase, in the house. Now, of course, when Paul was speaking somewhere, he would draw, draw a crowd. And if there was an amphitheater, let's get more people. And they would teach in the masses as much as they could. But in the end, they would be settling into houses. And so in this, the Corinthians had many house churches all over this big city. But they were 
known as the church of Corinth, and yet they had leaders, elders and deacons in each one of these houses. And, and so that is something that was common. That was the structure of the early church. The ancient structure of the other church was like that. What we see now is the common structure of the church is this image here of an auditorium where there's a stage and chairs are, are pointing toward uh, the stage. Why? Because there's a teacher, there's a preacher, and you've got to keep your attention. And there's a large group, and that's, that's how you handle large groups, right? is you put them in rows and get them as close as you can, and they're pointing to one person. And what that means is you can see one face the whole hour or two. You can see one face, and it's the one on stage, my face, if I'm the one preaching. And you see the back of the heads of everybody else over that time. So that is a legitimate structure. Jesus taught the masses. Paul drew the crowds. However, it's not complete. And circles is the other image we need for what a church looks like, how it relates, how it functions, how we love one another and need to, need to see some circles happening. And that's what we want. That can be in homes, in coffee shops, restaurants, at a park, at picnic benches. I know I was thinking about it a little bit. Men, uh, we love food, don't we? And sitting around a table with some barbecue or some fried fish that Roger fried up for us that's a great place to talk is around some good food. Sometimes, men, we just like to do things together. And so you're serving, you're doing a project, you're fixing something together, helping someone else together. And conversations and bonding happens at those times as well. So this setup that we have with a pulpit and these rows actually came later. So for over 300 years, these house churches and these little settings, there were no church buildings. You couldn't look up in the yellow pages or on Google, where is the nearest church building? They didn't have church buildings, and they met in other smaller groups, and, and the leaders would connect in a city or a region. And it was really after Constantine, the Roman Emperor Constantine, converted to Christianity in 312 A.D., so that's three, over 300 years after Christ, around that time, that he started saying, no, listen, which was good, he stopped the persecution happening to Christians in the Roman the arenas and, and so forth. And that was wonderful, and, but it made it an official religion. And so now you were supposed to be a Christian, and they had buildings and gatherings, and they had church buildings you could go to then. So that's how, and then I, I read that early on they had, desks up front for reading of God's Word. That preaching came later around the 1200s when the preaching was part of the main, one of the main functions of that gathering, and they had pulpits around in the 1200s. So you see really that this, what we're used to is what God said to Larry Montgomery, I am doing something new that is actually very old. For you, it might feel, uh, you know, it might feel new or different or whatever, but it's actually with common, normal in the early church and the ancient expressions. Let's go to the book of Romans because we want to look at the key verse for today. Romans is an awesome, uh, incredible letter. It has all this, uh, tells us who we are in Christ 
and how the blood of Christ and the resurrection of Christ sets us free for eight chapters. Eight, chapter 8 is like a, a, a climactic chapter of victory for the believer. Chapters 9, 10, 11 are about Israel, and so make it out of that if you haven't read it recently in these times. And then chapter 12 toward to end, it's just super practical. Practical, practical, practical for us. And so here's one of those verses uh, of Romans 12, verse 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So let's break this down and get a better look at it. That, hey, when you're saved, you become part of a team. You become a part of a family with a common bond, Jesus Christ himself. His blood is what cleanses all of us from sin. Even Jews need to come to their, the, the Messiah, the true Messiah, Jesus, and be cleansed by his blood. And all this bonds us together. And... In fact, we just need to realize that we're part of a, uh, uh, this wonderful team. And I'm, I'm going to uh, go ahead and skip to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's just move along a little faster here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. And this is that chapter that goes into details about this body and how the, it, we're like a human body that need the parts are all connected And here's one of the verses in that chapter. It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. That word set in the fill in the blank is sometimes in your other versions of the Bible translated, God has placed or God has arranged the members. So what has happened is we are children and and he places us in a huge body. This is an international Church, it's called the Church Universal, the Church Capital C, referring to all of us. And we are bonded by the blood of Jesus. We have, we're on a worldwide team. However, that's not what he's saying how, where he places us or sets the members, each one in the body. That this is, it's more specific than that. And so he also, he sets us in specific bodies called the local church. The local church, it's a, it's a region, it's an area where there's elders, there's deacons, there's leadership in there. So there's discipleship. There's, we as leaders, we're accountable to God as elders on how we lead, spiritually lead people. And you're set in this specific body. And then even smaller bodies as members of one another. Because if your experience is just coming and uh, being a part of a sanctuary setting and you're looking at people's heads, you cannot be a members of those. You can't even have relationships of loving one another if you're just attending a church body. A church body is a family. It's, it's a connecting. It's a place of connection. And I'm going to give you three words, and I want you to... Uh, uh, Take a middle note of these words, because in the discussion, I'm going to want you to break these down. In Christ's body, we are interdependent with one another. 
meaning we're not dependent on one another like we're dependent on God, right? That's who we're ultimately dependent on. But we are connected, even interconnected, for strengthening and encouragement for one another. So we're interdependent with one another. Uh, I mentioned uh, last week that uh, Mike Bickle was, is, was doing a paradigm shift, a whole shift in their, their body there, that local body in Kansas City, where he said, we obey the first commandment well. And he was talking, it's like one of our legs is strong. We have the vertical worship and prayer intercession strong, but we need to love one another. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we need to strengthen this other leg. And he's quoted uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. He said, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. And so he goes into Satan's strategy is to isolate us, uh, and, and instead we are created for relationship. We're created an image of God. God is an, is an image. He's a trinity. Solitude to get away from God and focus on him is good. Jesus did that. But isolation is bad. <laughs> and there's lies, there's temptations that say, oh, just go to yourself. Just you don't matter anymore. Nobody cares about you. It's a horrible feeling to feel alone. It's all lies. It's not God's design for us. God wants us to know you're created in God's image. You're worthy. You're valuable. You're loved. You are interconnected, interdependent with one another. In this digital age that we are growing up in, our children are growing up in, we are the most electronically connected generation ever and the most relationally disconnected ever. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, back to this passage that describes the human body is like the body of Christ. Verse 20 says, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So my second point is, the first one is we're interconnected, we're better together. But the second point is, in Christ's body, we are not only interdependent with one another, but we need to be humble with one another. Because when there's pride, pride separates, puts distance between us. I don't need you. I don't need that. I don't know. You're just, you know, the, he doesn't share my passion. This is my passion. They, they don't, aren't, they're not seeing what the Holy Spirit's telling me. And it, I'm more, they're more spiritual than I am, it seems, or I'm less or there. And this pride ends up separating us, but humility brings us together under Christ. Let me bring in one more. A point here, so then I can close here real quickly. In going down the next few verses here, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 24, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, see, we're better together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So we are better together. I mean, hey, what good use is a hand if it doesn't have an arm? The hand can't even function without the arm. And going on the next verse, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. It is the devil's number one tactic with the body of Christ. Maybe he can't get us to hate somebody. Maybe he can't get us to go back into drugs or alcohol or something in our past. But one thing he will try to do with all believers is try to break up and divide the family of God, this body of Christ. 
Get us so we're not connected and we are isolated. So the third point here in Christ's body, we are interconnected, interdependent. We are humble and we are unified with one another. Again, I I was just so impacted by Michael Bickle's message. That was four years ago. And he said, hey, you know, we're people of the Spirit of God. God speaks to us. We wait on Him. We have 24-7 worship and prayer. We can sense His Spirit inside of us. We can feel Him touch our bodies, heal our bodies. God gives us prophetic words. We, it's like God speaking right to us. I mean, on and on how God is spirit and he knows how to get to us. And he said, but sometimes God wants to use his body with skin. And we are the body of Christ. We have skin. And God wants to use our touch, use our relationship, use us being part of this local church team in these small groups to love one another. Hey, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Lord Jesus, we pray that this time together in fellowship and sharing, that we would have ears to hear you and ears to hear one another and help us become more like Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you haven't gotten a name tag yet, if you could do that, that would be great. Number two, I want to mention that there's, a, uh, there's going to be a handful of questions. Your table facilitator uh, will help guide you through that. I'll help as well from here. We need to do some, some logistics here. Uh, is there a table where there's not a table facilitator? I'm not seeing one over here. Uh, so who extras do we have? Delisa, do you want to go? Julie, are you one? Are you a table? Okay, I'm sorry to know that. One on, uh, who, any other table, you can't tell if there's a facilitator, all right? Um, why don't you two, um, Jill and Delisa, why don't you join like another table over here perhaps, something like that, okay? If you don't mind, just or, or over here or split up. Why don't you split up? One go there, one go there. How's that? So there's a little bit more there. Great, fantastic. Okay, great. There's no pressure for you to, to respond. You don't have to, you don't have to talk. Um, and yet, don't talk the whole time either, right? You know the balance, okay? And uh, uh, so we want you to share, and yet don't feel pressured to share. Great. All right, fantastic. All right, let's see. The initial question is really just a quick, you know, couple of minutes as a whole table. It's not... Uh, Anything long? Number one, where do you live? Where do you work? What's your favorite fall food? Okay. Now, uh, don't tell your whole career story. We just want to give a feel for where people are living and working or, uh, you know, in what county, what area. Uh, also, in your favorite fall food, please don't go into recipes and et cetera. This is just real quick. So your main uh, discussion question to start off with is, is would be the second one. Was there any new or interesting information about the early church that you learned today? Please share, all right? So go ahead and handle those uh, question number one and two. Go ahead and, and dig into those.
Just a note for online folks, you're wondering what are you to do. Actually, you go to the, our homepage, we have a tab that has the discussion questions on there, the, uh, the handout for today as well. And so that's online for you, and you can open those up. We're going to go ahead and phase out our online presentation since for the rest of the morning it's discussion time here. But go ahead and discuss that among you and so you're staying a part of the direction we're going in.